0: Alright, so we're going to be reading out of Luke 24. Does everybody have their Bibles or does anyone have their Bibles? I have mine. Awesome. Eli <laughs> Alright, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. That's what we'll be reading out of. Uh, we'll start at verse 13. So I'm going to get there myself. So starting verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Amias which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said unto him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Uh, but, uh, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since all these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when, that, when they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, and all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, uh, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. Uh, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And then they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told about the things that happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. All right. So what I'm going to look at is right there at that very beginning of it. Uh, Really the introduction of it is that we see that you've got these two men who are walking kind of out of nowhere Jesus walks up and just starts walking with them. Now, they don't know that it's Jesus. The Bible there tells us that they're, they're blinded to that, but we see it. We, we know that that's what the Word says, is that they're actually walking with Jesus. And now, what, what happens is that Jesus comes up and he's like, you know, hey, y'all are looking all kinds of sad, so what's up? Like, what's going on? So they start to open up about all the things that have happened to Jesus, so it's kind of like in the sense of if you've ever done a good deed for somebody and then you didn't tell them that you done the good deed and then that person just happened to start opening up to you about how much this good deed helped them, they won't know that it was you that done it unless you tell them. So you kind of get that blessing of hearing about how much that, that blessed them without them knowing that it was you, right? So it's kind of in the same sense that they're talking to Jesus and they're telling him of all the great things that he done and how much he meant to them. Now, What they're doing is they're actually complaining to Jesus about the absence of Jesus, which is kind of ironic because it's literally him that that they're talking to. But, you know, how many times do we find ourselves doing the same thing where we're praying to God and we're complaining to God that he's not there, even though he's actively there and he's listening to us? Now, what I like to notice is that when these men had asked Jesus, uh, do you not know the things that have happened, the way that Jesus responded was to say, well, what things and the thing is, you know, the, the men weren't only blinded by the presence of Jesus physically, but they were also blinded by the words that he had already spoken because he had spoken these words already to say, "Hey, by the way, this time's going to come that I'm going to get beaten, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise up 3 days later." So, they weren't only blinded that Jesus was physically there, but they were blinded to remember the words that he had actually spoke about this time because he had already prophesied about this. So ironically, one of the adjectives that they're using as they're telling Jesus about Jesus is he was a mighty prophet. Uh, and he was just, like everything he said just had so much power to it. So it's kind of ironic that they didn't listen to what he prophesied, yet they're saying, oh, well, you're this mighty, or Jesus is this mighty prophet. So, you know, they're sitting there, they're telling him about all these things, but, you know, Jesus never told them. I mean, you go to the whole scripture, Jesus didn't tell them that it was him. He just stayed with them, and they just continued to stay blind for a while. And they even opened up and said, well, we were hoping that he was the one that was coming to save us. We were hoping that he was the Messiah. That's what we had uh, had all of our hope in. But see, they were just so blinded. And I think about when I wore glasses. If you don't know, I wear contacts. But um, there's a, I was in theater in high school, and I always think about this because I was backstage Uh, during the production, I'm looking everywhere for my glasses, and I'm kind of freaking out because it's like these things are expensive. I can't find them. Where did I set them down? I'm asking all kinds of people. Nobody has the heart to tell me that they're on my face. (laughs) So I'm looking everywhere, and finally somebody's like, dude, try your face. And now I felt stupid because it's like, oh, well, yeah, they were there the whole time. But the thing is, that's exactly what's happening with these guys because they're asking, hey, where's Jesus at? When he's like, I'm literally right here in front of you. And see, we do that so much where we're going to God saying, God, where are you at? Where are you at? He's literally right there in front of us. He's literally showing us the answers and and his presence right there the whole time. Now, I want to go to verse 28. Um, It should be popped back up. Well, here it is. So in verse 28, we we come to this moment that these two men, they're ready to stop. They're ready to stop doing the walk that they've been doing. And... um, What happens is here, and this is the word I want to kind of focus on, it says that he had indicated. So this is Jesus. So they were ready to stop, but Jesus had indicated that he would have gone a little bit farther. Now, that's a word that really uh, stuck out to me. So if you have your Bible, I would even encourage that you highlight or underline that word indicated because what it was is that they said, you know, I'm tired. I'm ready to rest. I'm ready to just take this break. Now, Jesus didn't, guilt-tripped them about the fact that they want to stop. He didn't pressure them to keep going, but he just indicated that, hey... I'll get to you in a minute. Uh, he, he was just indicating that, hey, I'll keep going if you're willing to keep going. And see, the same thing happens to us now that, that, that God's not going to force us necessarily to do things, but he's going to indicate that, hey, if you're willing to take this step of faith, I'm going to be right there with you. So that was one thing that I really... Um, kind of that really stuck out to me is that that he was there with them regardless of if they stayed or if they kept going now the thing is that these men they they pleaded with jesus and they said abide with us for it's toward evening and the day is far spent and then what happened is that jesus went in to stay with them now i found that to be interesting because again jesus was ready to keep moving but he still chose to stay back and to wait for them now had they not asked him to stay he would have kept walking So there's many times in our lives that we get to a point where we're tired of walking and we're tired of fighting. And if we would just ask God, just give me a minute. Sometimes that's all it takes. But most of the time we want to sit there and watch Jesus walk off. Watch him proceed on without us, Watch his people keep going on. Watch his people keep growing. And that's not something that that, that we want to do because we would rather sit there and kind of soak in our uh, pity or soak in our tiredness. Now... What happened is that these men, they asked him to stay, not because they knew he was Jesus, but they asked him to stay because they were enjoying the presence that that he was given to them. So they were happy to have this change. Because before they were just walking around sad, talking amongst themselves, and then this man shows up. So they're happy about this change that came. Now sometimes a, a, a new thing or a change is good for us. Sometimes getting out of that, uh, just kind of like what we were talking about before, before we started, sometimes getting out of tradition or getting out of habit is a good thing for us that gets us kind of in a new track, and it actually will help us to grow in many areas. Now, um, like I said, you know, they didn't feel confident enough to keep going forward, but Jesus did. Now, had they kept moving forward, even though it was starting to get dark out, Jesus still would have made sure that they would have got to where they needed to be safely. He wouldn't have let them get hurt. So, how many times have we just allowed Jesus to walk off in our life? Now, I'm going to think, too, is uh, the question that I, that I kind of stopped and asked is, like, well, why, why is it that when Jesus came, he blinded these men? Why, why did Jesus camouflage himself so that they didn't realize that it was him? Now, I believe that the reason that he done this was to shift their reasoning of following him. Because what you'll see is when these men were initially talking about Jesus, they're talking about all the great things that he'd done and all the things that they could get from him, right? So they're bringing all these things out, but now, now it's not the fact that, oh, well, this man's giving us stuff, but I like the presence that this man has and the spirit that he's bringing to us, right? So I believe he was trying to get them to shift their preference of why do I follow Christ, Now, he wanted, Jesus wants us to follow him because we value our relationship with him. He doesn't want us to follow him because we can get things from him. And, you know, in other words, when relationship began, we find that Jesus unveiled who he was to them. Because what we found, and I believe it's in the next next verse there, and I'll just read it here if it's not in there, uh, in verse... Twenty-nine. it says uh, in verse 30 it says that he, it came to pass as he sat uh, at the table with them that he took the bread he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight so when relationship began when they realized oh I want to be with Jesus because I like the spirit that he's bringing I want to be with Jesus because of who he is when that relationship began that's when their eyes were opened so, I kind of think about, uh, there's a picture in the slide, and this is like the best thing that I could think of that really corresponds with this. So, the picture in the slide um, is about someone who done the same thing. They kind of hid behind a false agenda because they didn't want people to see her for who she really was. You got the picture? You good? Oh, nope. Oh. We'll get there. So oh, oh <laughs> so the whole concept of this show was that Miley didn't want everybody to know that she was Hannah Montana. But she only unveiled it to a certain select few of people. Yeah, so Lily and Oscar. Uh, there was just a few people that she unveiled her identity to. And she, she done that because if people knew that it was Hannah, then they would have followed her for the wrong reasons, right? They, they would have wanted to be friends with her because, oh, this is a pop star, not because, oh, this is my friend. So she only unveiled her identity to the ones who wanted to be her friend and valued her for who she was, not for what they could get from her or get clout from. That, I've never used that term before, but they, they get clout from, and I think that's why a lot of people follow Jesus is because they want... They, they just want to carry that name with them because it makes them look good or they, they feel like they're going to get more stuff. It's like, oh, people will donate stuff to me if I'm doing stuff for church. And, and, and they'll start following Christ for the wrong reasons. Now, um, now when these men had kind of came to the realization that, oh, it's, it's Jesus that I've been walking with, I, I found it interesting because they have this newfound hope now. Because now it's, like, now their like, energy is back. And, you know, what I I wanted to notice there is that these men didn't beat themselves up because they didn't realize before that this was Jesus. They didn't kind of get into this little pity party. And, um, you know, I think about, like, when I was a kid and, like, we lived in a trailer park when I was a kid. Um, And there was always, like, this, there was basically a big AC unit that we would all kind of congregate to. And we were all not supposed to be there. But we always went there. And there would always be that one friend that was like, like they knew, like they just heard your parents say, hey, don't go over there and get on that. And then they'd like encourage you to go get on it. And I'd go over there, i get on it. And then as soon as one of the adults came out, they're gone. And you're just hanging out there on the AC unit. Nobody, The parent doesn't care. They see that you're sitting there. You knew what the rule was. They told you what the rule was. And you're the one sitting there breaking. They don't care about what everybody else is doing. They care about what you were doing. So you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, it's one of those things that's like, we know we shouldn't do it, but but and we were warned not to do it, but we always would listen to those those people that, that had the bad influence. Now, it didn't matter how many times we were told not to do something. It didn't matter how dumb the thing was. Like, if I was told not to climb a tree, that friend was like, hey, I bet you can't do a backflip out of the tree. Like, you would still do it yeah. and it wouldn't make no sense and you know I'm going to get hurt, you know I'm going to get in trouble, but I can't back down, right? now. Um, the thing is, is that we broke that rule because there was a root that, that was kind of triggered. Because the root that was triggered was a root of pride. It's like, oh, you got to do that, or you're chicken. Or you gotta, and, and it was this, there was a root that had to be hit for us to go against what we knew was right to do something that's wrong. So what Jesus does is he finds that root. To get us to where we need to be, so the root of our unfaithfulness is simply our unfaithfulness, but we want to cast that to be all kinds of other things. So that's why Jesus had asked these two men when they said, "Have you not heard about all these things about Jesus?" He says, "What things?" Because he'd already prophesied of what uh, of what was going to happen. So it was like, why why are you even questioning it? Because you knew that I would die. You knew I would resurrect. So why are you even congregating and being sad about this? Now, if if they had trusted his word, they wouldn't have been walking around sad. But they'd be out spreading hope and they'd be reminding everybody about the things that Jesus said. Now, there's a quote from Winston Churchill that says, Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. See, if we fail to address our roots, the roots are going to keep springing forth new things. If we fail to to realize where we fall short, if we fail to realize uh, our faults, then they're going to keep coming back against us. Now, when we go outside and we look at a tree, we don't see the roots of the tree typically. We just see the tree. But if the roots were not there, there would not be a tree there because there's no roots to support it. And just like when we look at our life, we see doubt. If the roots of the doubt was not there, it would not, the doubt wouldn't exist because there's nothing there to support it. So we have to realize what our roots are because when those triggers hit those roots, that's when it's going to spring back up so when we're when we're reminded of oh i I shouldn't have done this, that's a root getting hit, and then guilt comes back, or frustration comes back now n- not, not only do we need to realize this, but we also need to realize that Satan also knows what your roots are, and he knows what triggers to hit. so when Satan tries to trigger our our roots, our brains grow accustomed to that, and we just grow accustomed to the fact that it just keeps getting hit, and you know uh, If you don't think you have triggers, I mean, we have trigger words. Somebody will say something that will remind you of a person, that will remind you of a time in your life. You'll have trigger images. You'll see something, and it reminds you of something in your childhood. It reminds you, like, you'll see a picture of Mickey Mouse, and I'm actually going to bring that back in a little bit, but you'll see a picture of something that brings you back to something. You'll you'll hear something, see something, taste something, feel something that's going to remind you of something, and it becomes a trigger. Now, um... Going back to the, to the thing with Mickey Mouse. So we had actually went and visited at uh, Carrie and Brian's house. And and this has been, what, two, three weeks ago now? Uh, anyway, we, we went over there. And on our way up to the door, Maya starts saying, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. I'm thinking, where the heck is this girl seeing Mickey Mouse? And then we get up to the door, and her doormat actually has Mickey Mouse on it. Now, she's seen it before I did. And she gets excited about it. Now, the reason I bring that back is because this is a doormat that just has a printed picture of Mickey Mouse on it. It doesn't matter that this was something that was literally created to be walked on. She saw Mickey Mouse and she got excited. She saw Mickey Mouse in and she had that sense of joy come back. So, you know, it's one of those things that reminds me of, you know, even if it looks bad to somebody else, like, hey, that's something that, that that's no good for me, it can give me excitement and give me joy. Nobody else may see it, but I'm going to see it, and I'm going to associate that that's what I like. That's the thing that, that, that gives me joy and happiness. And um, I keep getting distracted by Hannah in Montana over here. <laughs> but um, anyway, so the thing is, we, you know, we have to see those things, but like I said, we have to remember that Satan also sees those things. So how do we kind of keep our guard up about Satan seeing our roots? The only way we can do that is to keep on our bulletproof vest all the time, right? And that's why the Bible says to put on your armor of God and to keep those things on. And, you know, the thing is you have to wear your awareness the same way that some people wear masks to protect themselves from COVID. It's like they take so much security in a little one-inch piece of cloth, but then they don't take the security in having on the armor of God to protect the soul. Now, um, you know, the Bible tells us to have faith. Like a child. Which brings me again back to this whole Mickey Mouse thing with Maya. Because it didn't matter that this wasn't a cartoon that was moving around. It didn't matter that Mickey Mouse wasn't on a toy. But she saw Mickey Mouse and she got excited because she had that faith like a child to see Mickey Mouse and get excited. So we need to have the same faith. And so when the Bible says have faith like a child, you know, children don't question things as much as adults do. We try to bring logic into everything. And we try to give answers to everything. But children simplify things. And children will believe regardless of the things that they see. Now, um, we were actually taking Maya to the aquarium. And uh, on our way there, because, I mean, she just loves fish. So, like, she's been asking to go to the aquarium for months. But on our way there, we passed something. And I didn't see it, but Emily's seen it. And, like, as soon as she said it, I said, that's going in the message. (laughs) Because we were sitting right in front of the little palm reader lady, um, her little store. And Emily... Huh. Yes. So we're sitting right in front of her store. We're kind of stopped in traffic. And she looks over and she said, she has a ring doorbell on her door. Now, I didn't think anything of it until she emphasized. She said, this lady is a palm reader. and supposed to know the future. So why does she have a ring doorbell? She should know who's breaking in before somebody breaks in if she claims to actually have this knowledge. And like I said, she said that. Like it, it, it hit me because it's like, you know, that like that's so relevant. To, 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 our, to our walk in life because we think that we've got everything figured out just like that palm reader claims that she does but then we still want that kind of external source of security. See, we think we've got God figured out but if we had God figured out, why would we come to church every week? If we had God figured out, why would we keep going to Him in prayer? Because we don't have Him figured out as much as we think we do. So we have to stay in this constant relationship with Him. So I need to keep pursuing God. And see, um, for many people, a trigger is death. Many people are triggered by the, the fear of death because it just scares people. Now, that root can be the source of some people's unbelief. But in the same sense, it can be the source of some people's reason of why they started to pursue God. It's like, hey, I'm scared of death, so let me pursue and see... What other option there is other than just the dark abyss? And then they start looking into Christianity and they see this other answer and they see, oh, well, heaven's a possibility. So for some people, it becomes a source of their belief. So, again, it's two drastically different things that it it may not work for everybody, but it works for some other people. So, you know, the thing is, I'm not paranoid to death because I know where I'm going. I know my relationship with Christ. So I look forward to death because I look forward to what comes after. And that sounds weird, but when, when we're children of God, we should look forward to death. But what I don't look forward to is the pain that might be associated with it. And this also explains why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is praying and saying, Father, if it be possible, to deliver this cup from me. He wasn't afraid of the death that was coming, but of the pain that was coming with it. The pain that would be associated with it. So it explains why, what his paranoia was. It was the pain. Now, Uh, you know, ignorance of heaven is what's going to give people fear of death. If we know that heaven exists, we know that's where we're going, then I don't have fear. So God will reach us to give us that sense of peace. Now, um, I think about too, uh, Emily and I went to the beach for the first time in November. And going back to this, kind of unknowing aspect of things Uh, we went to the beach in November we had never seen the ocean before so this was our first time and you know we're seeing palm trees and we're seeing all these things that are just different about the state of Tennessee to the state of South Carolina and we're kind of like mesmerized by that but then we also learned quickly that there's laws there that are not laws here because I didn't know that when a sand dollar comes up on the shore, you're not supposed to pick it up unless it's already... I didn't know something lived in a sand dollar. Did not know that was a thing. So I watched one wash up. I picked it up. We learned when we got back to Tennessee, oh, that thing still had hair on it. It was still alive. It's actually illegal for you to pick that up. I didn't know that then, but now going back, I'm going to know. So now when we go back to the beach, I know now because I've been um, I've been taught that. That's been, it's been added to my knowledge of beach laws. (laughs) Um, So the thing is, the same thing happens with God because when when we are trying to dig in to get closer to God, we may not know what all of his laws are right off, but he's going to teach us over time because we're going to mess up and then he's going to correct us in a loving way, but then we know the law and we know that rule for the next go around. So when we go back, we know, hey, I shouldn't do that thing. I shouldn't go back to that again. So... Um, like I said, ignorance of heaven, ignorance of law is what brings unfaithfulness. It's what brings um, unstableness. So God teaches us. Now, when Jesus walked with these two men, he done it in order to guide them to their next journey. See, when Satan walks in, he does it in order to destroy your next path. And I think about a police chase. If, you're, if you've ever seen like a, like a police chase and they're kind of in high speed, the car that's running from the police Typically, it gives you no warning at all. They don't care. They're swerving in and out of traffic. They don't care. They're just trying to get away. And then you've got a police car behind them that's blowing a siren. They've got lights going. They're doing everything they can to tell you, hey, something's coming. Get out of the way. Now, what typically would happen is that if somebody were to get struck by that car that's fleeing, a lot of times they want to blame the officer. And we do the same thing with God because he is actively giving us warnings, blowing out sirens, trying to alarm us of the dangers of following Satan in the world. But then when we fall into it, a lot of times we want to blame God. And like I said, I mean, he's, he, he's constantly warning us of these things. And I, I think about Adam and Eve whenever, uh, back in Genesis, when, when they're told not to eat of the forbidden tree, you know, when Adam ate of it, and then God comes back to kind of address it, Satan was still there because he's prideful. He was proud that he got God's children to mess up. So, when God comes around, Adam threw his wife under the bus. When God says, Who told you to eat of it? He said, oh, My wife done it. Even though Satan was still standing somewhere in the distance because God addressed him just a few verses later. So, instead of going to the root, he just passed blame on wherever else that he could but the thing is adam and eve had two different mindsets and their minds were already planted and that's why i think the bible talks so much about planting our faith because how is our faith going to grow for some people it grows and it's beautiful and it's going to keep producing and producing and producing for some of us we plant it in an unstable place and it dies before it ever even starts to blossom for some of us we put it in a decent place and it starts to blossom and as soon as it hits something it's dead and it's gone so Some of us, wherever we're planted, we're going to quickly die. But some of us, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep blossoming. But we have to be planted in a firm place. And the Bible has a verse that says, Like a tree that's planted by the water. Because if we're planted in the correct place, we have no reason to move. And if we have no reason to move, it's because we have access to everything that's important to us and that can give us strength and encouragement and joy and peace, right? So... We need to be planted by the water. We need to find the best place that we get to possibly plant, which is in our relationship with Christ. Now, a lot of us like to plant ourselves in the desert. And I find it interesting that the words desert and desert are very similar in spelling and sound. Because one thing holds nothing, while the other thing holds an abundance of too much for us. And it tastes good then, but it's still bad for us. So you've got desert and you've got dessert. See, we have to be able to decipher. Both of these things might be bad for me in abundance. So we have to find that happy medium where we're right where we need to be and be planted by the water. And then I'm going to go to verse 31. And she stepped out, so I'm going to read it. So in verse uh, 31, and this is kind of the, the most powerful detail of this whole scripture, and this is what I will end with. Uh, so in verse 31, it says that when their eyes were opened and they knew him, He vanished from their sight. So let me read that one more time. It says when their eyes were opened and they knew it was Jesus, he vanished. He didn't stick around once he he unveiled who he was. And that happens to us because we'll be trying to, to do things for God and we get frustrated. and We're like, God, where are you at? And then all of a sudden he'll show himself and then it's gone. Because he's wanting us to take the next leap of faith. He's saying you're in the right path and I'm here. But now keep going till you see me again. Keep going until I unveil myself again. And that's how he builds our faith. And that's how he, how he builds us up as as soldiers for his kingdom that he's going to show himself and then he's going to be gone. He's going to show himself and he's going to vanish. Now, how do I know that this little glimpse is what these men needed? Because when we go into verse 33, because when we reflect back, these men had said Jesus, well, they didn't know it was Jesus, but they said, hey, why don't we go ahead and take a break because we're tired and it's getting late. We're ready to eat, right? So they were, they were tired. They were ready to take a break. And then we get to verse 33. In verse 33, it says um, "It says they rose up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. So the same hour that they were already tired and ready to call it a day, when Jesus unveiled who he was, they got that sense of hope and encouragement and then they want to get up that same hour and go tell everybody. They want to get up that same hour and go and, and, and kind of just just like kind of bathe in that of that excitement and that that spirit that that, that they just had kind of poured out on them now what that brings you to is some of us may think god's done with us some of us may think we've hit that dead end and that we're finished just like these men did i mean they were walking around saying hey i have no hope now they're walking around saying hey jesus is gone we thought this was going to be the man that was going to save us from everything but now he's dead some, some of us have already made, the, uh, made that final decision before God ever said it was over. So some of us think we're finished, but Jesus has more planned for us. So you might have any questions or anything to add to, to this message?